Hey, this is Luke O'Neill, and you're listening to I Think This Is Great. Hey everybody, this is Clay Inferno, and welcome to episode 4 of I Think This Is Great with Clay Inferno. Thanks for bearing with me as we went through the holiday break. And now is some downtime and some time I have to share with you the latest episode. And I have a very special guest today, it's Luke O'Neill. Luke O'Neill is a writer, he's also a DJ, and sings in a great band called No Hope No Harm. His writing bylines include Rolling Stone, Esquire, L, to name a few, The Guardian, and he's here to talk to us about his latest project, a newsletter called Hell World. So, without any further ado, welcome Luke, Luke O'Neill, 47, on Twitter. That's where you can follow him there, and LukeO'Neill.substack.com. Check out his band at nohopenoharm.bandcamp.com and be sure to support the Hell World by subscribing. Thanks so much. Glad to be back, guys. See you on the internet. Just a quick note that Hell World is this week's sponsor as well. So please go to lukeoneal.substack.com and sign up and subscribe, and you'll see the very, very cheap options. Uh, it's the best bang for your buck. It's the best news you can get out there. And uh, it's funny, it's touching, it's it's wonderful. So please go to check out the link in the show notes and subscribe to Hellworld today. Thanks for tuning in again to I Think This Is Great. My name is Clay Inferno. Really excited to talk to my buddy, my friend, and also an, a super impressive dude. His name is Luke O'Neill. So welcome, dude. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me, buddy. This is uh, a long time coming because I think I've asked you to be on numerous podcasts before and be like, oh, we do a Seinfeld thing. And (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to cash in on my favorite for the new podcast. So you've always been uh, very helpful in supporting whatever I'm I'm working on. So uh, I figured I finally had to give in and do your dumb podcast. Yeah, well, cool. I I appreciate that, man. It's great. Uh, And, and like, we we sort of have a similar, like, upbringing. Like, we're from sort of the same part of the state, Massachusetts. We're about the same age. We've both done different things with our lives. But, like, you know, we we came up and growing up, like, even in high school, like, playing in bands and, like, listening to music and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, like, did you always want to be a writer, like, when you were, like, back in back in high school yeah i think i did i i remember i wrote for my for my high school newspaper i went to silver lake high school which is in kingston massachusetts are you are you from the south shore again yeah i'm from abington and like the first show like basement shows or whatever i'd ever went to was was in the early 90s like in kingston oh really yeah yeah we had at like the I don't even think the BFW type of hall I forget which exactly which one it was but yeah I didn't when I yeah when I was in high school I, I so I, I wrote for the high school newspaper but I I wasn't I remember I was already doing like the type of things that would seem so hacky now but this was in you know the 90s mm-hmm. and I was doing like reviews of the best water fountain in each you know throughout the high school and things like that. 
like something you know like like listicles and of course i grew up to like hate listicles but but i remember like doing things that were like sort of out of the ordinary but they could be funny but they could also be kind of i don't know surprising to people like writing writing things that that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see like in in a in a newspaper not to like toot my own horn or anything it, it's really the, all the stuff i probably wrote is immensely stupid but i remember getting a thrill out of that and also i was super into music as well as you mentioned starting i don't know maybe at like age 15 or 16 that's got to be the age you first hear like i don't know for me it was like minor threat and stuff right like that, yeah know? for me it was the, the stuff that turned me on right originally was like dinosaur jr oh, yeah um and i was super in, you know be, like being from massachusetts i was super into like julian hatfield i think that was the first like indie record i ever had was um her record hey babe mm-hmm and then you know you find out you find out all these bands are from Massachusetts you get super stoked and one leads to another but anyways i wanted to i always wanted to be a, a music critic when i was when i was in high school cuz i you know i started to get into music and i i figured out i could do a little bit of writing and that seemed like the coolest thing in the world to me was to have your job go and, and be to write about music and yeah, it is and I was like playing a little bit of guitar at the time, but I wasn't like, you know, any, it wasn't taking it seriously. And yeah, it was cool for a while. It's, it's kind of, I, I, there's nothing I really, I have zero, almost zero interest in doing it anymore. But yeah, fortunately, I, I was lucky enough that I got to make my living for the most part writing about as a music critic for, for, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years, something like that. And did, are you an Emerson College? I went to uh, Holy Cross for okay. undergrad, and then I went to Emerson for grad school. I was pursuing an MFA in creative writing, and I did everything besides write my thesis, which was really a genius move. Because, well, because for well, one thing, I started to get, uh, I was like, I'm not, but, but after like two years of doing the studies, I was like, I'm not paying another single dollar for this. This is Well, were you already working as a writer at the time? Well, no, this was when I was, yeah, yeah, I had 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 my first job coming out of Holy Cross, my first job, I got a, a job in, in New York at Condé Nast. I was like an editorial assistant and, and this was, I was like working on the, a bunch of magazines, like the super early days of the web and they didn't really know what the hell they were doing. 19, it was like 2000. And so I was working for like the websites for like GQ and details and like Mademoiselle and a bunch of these Condé Nast properties. And that was like my first taste of like the publishing industry. And I was okay. But then I decided I wanted to go to grad school and I, you know, I got into a couple of schools, but Emerson was the one that seemed to have like the best reputation for writing. So I came back to do that. And then after about two years, I got hired at, uh, as an editor at the weekly dig and I was like, well, all right, I'm a writer now. I don't need to finish this stupid degree. I don't right. need to run. And, you know, and then I, I, I began my lucrative career at the Weekly Dig, making 20 grand a year as the, uh, as the music editor there. Oh, that's so awesome. And then when, when did you start playing in bands? Was that in high school, too, or was that, um, was that, was that like, like Good North Days? Yeah, that was like, I didn't really start in like, I would do like, acoustic stuff and like write little shitty songs and you know play it like open mics and things like that when in college but it wasn't until like you know my early when i came back here for grad school when i met the guys and we 
uh, started the band The Good North. So probably when I was like 23 or something like that was what like I was actually, you know, felt like a real band musician in a band. It, I got to say, you know, like, you, you know, me from like working like at like this music club in town. And yeah. when you guys played, it honestly was it was one of those like this is a this band is fucking great. You better be here. And like everybody was out and uh, and jammed in there and like everyone loved that band. So I love the Good North I was always a fan that you guys packed out the shows that that was yeah. that must have been a really fun time, man, because it you guys was. were having fun. <laughs> no, we were having a little bit too much fun. I think that was maybe why we <laughs> couldn't take it to the next level. But uh, but yeah, no, those are those were great times. And yeah, we got to play with a lot of uh, cool bands and we got to be kind of kind of be there in 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 new york city we would play a lot so we kind of got to be there right when a lot of that cool stuff was happening with like the whole stroke scene and stuff like that oh yeah so uh you know that was like a really fun time to be to be in a band with a little bit of buzz but like you know it's probably a fun time to be 23 and, and playing in a band uh that, that people are, are coming to see no matter no matter what uh, time, you know, what period it is. I'll tell you what's not fun is playing the shows to nobody, which we certainly did that plenty of times, too. So it wasn't like, um, you know, it wasn't like it was all, it wasn't the fuck, exactly Beatlemania. But, it's you know, weird it's, when you go to, like, a town and you're just, like, you just agree to play some gig and it's none of your friends are even there or anything. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, wow, this the headlining band's friends are here. Yeah, yeah. Do, do I get a free Coke if I'm in the band? You know. Right. Yeah, there's literally like nothing more dispiriting in life than travel. You know, driving six, eight, ten hours, or whatever, to get to some gig, and you're like, oh, who knows? Maybe it'll be good. Maybe. And then no, it's not. There's nobody there, and then you got to go drive someplace the next day. I was that like, I was never had the, like the cutout to be like a road warrior, po- super positive type of dude. I don't know. Yeah, I, can see, yeah. I can see you being, were you like a super positive type of dude? Well, there's, I guess there's two parts of that. One is I decided like pretty much last year that, um, I'm getting too old to like be on the road, even like, like tour managing and stuff. Right. Like I'm right. just, I just need to be at home. <laughs> uh, sure. So like I turned down some stuff, but it's not like, I, I'll be, I'll be like a local local crew guy right. um but my band never my band we would play maybe worcester providence new york a few times yeah. and yeah I, I would like have fun and but like uh being on the bus for you know or in a van for months at a time that just doesn't appeal to me <laughs> at all yeah i i don't have a very good attitude uh playing like one show that's like poorly attended i'm like fuck this i'm quitting i'm you know yeah yeah like but you know that's the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do you're supposed to be a pro at every show and you never know who's gonna be there and you gotta you know you impress everybody that's there and for next time you come back maybe there'll be 10 people next time there'll be 30 it's kind of a lot of pressure like but it's definitely like it's almost like stage mom coaching it's like right. you always have to smile when you're on stage right, right doesn't matter because right. there could be a tv camera on you or or something right. you know exactly but i i never had that attitude and that's probably why i never really made it big in music so <laughs> and even now like so we, now you know i since in this new band no hope no harm yeah and that's been going great and it's been like super you know it's a, always been a super fan of aaron's uh from the shield divine so uh, to be able to play and write and sing songs with him has been great, but we're both 
you know, we're both older now. And so both of our, um, our tolerance for, for like the type of bullshit that you, that you have, you know, that you have to do when you're in your twenties, <laughs> yeah. like, nope, not going to do that. Nope, not going to do that. Well, and, uh, I you guess, know. you know, like for me too, like just because I was on the, I don't, I don't know, you could we call it the promoter side, but I was always like the guy inside the venue that you guys would come and you'd, you'd see me and I was there. And like that was, that's a certain amount of living that life you do when you work in a venue too, you know, like yeah. obviously you're just like, oh, I'm out till two in the morning every weekend. Great. Sure. You know, sure. like I can't do that every night. <laughs> no, for sure. And I definitely can't party like I used to, nor would I want to. Um, uh, and you know, I, I'm sure you, you obviously know how that, that goes too, but oh, like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I just, one, one really likes to sleep in one's own bed. Don't, doesn't <laughs> one, you know? <laughs> yes. It, it's like that Simpsons thing. Who, from the king to the pauper, who doesn't enjoy a good sit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he kicks the popcorn closer to him. Like that's, that's definitely me in a nutshell. <laughs> Wait, is that a Simpsons bit? Yeah, it's like uh, Mr. Burns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, ah, let's all sit down. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, no, I, I really, I really come to enjoy. Uh, I, I mean, like you said, you you know, you turn things down. You just like to be near home. This God, this is pathetic. We're just talking about what it's like to be old now. It's no, just, <laughs> well, that that I mean, that's sort of almost kind of the point of like these interviews I've been doing because I know. They, like you're not slowing down you're still doing like plenty of stuff you're just like choosy about the stuff that you do i mean you run like uh really successful the the emo night in town yeah and yeah. um and you're in a kick-ass band and you have bylines on vice and you know it's like right. you you haven't slowed down from being like a party guy like no one's ever saying like you know luke's must be just sitting at home sitting on his ass doing nothing well, I, I make it look, I make it, I, I, I try to disabuse people of the, that notion. I actually am sitting here uh, right now in jorts and no shirt and uh, just laying on my ass. You and me both, bud. But, you know, like, <laughs> no, it, I know. wouldn't it be great to, like, I, I, I just want to make podcasts all day. <laughs> yeah, you don't really have to do too, like, you don't have to travel that far for that. And you can, that's why I like. I don't know. I think maybe that there's there's a blessing and a curse to that, though, because, you know, for like the past 10 years or so, I guess I've just been a freelance writer um, for a lot of my 20s and early 30s. I would like wait tables on the side and stuff and right. you know, write a few articles a week and then go wait tables or bartend to try to supplement it. But I mean, I guess I'm lucky in the sense that I don't I was going to say I don't have to do that anymore, but. I also the drawback is is that I pretty much am at home every day by myself. You know, my wife's a teacher, so she goes off to work, and I just sit here all day on the computer with my brain rotting. <laughs> all right, well, I, this is definitely like this is on my list of things to ask you about. And uh, but but first, there was one night we were at we were at Zuzu Bar, and I I remember I asked you, I was like, how do I like sort of get about doing a writing i don't even think i was like very could explain like what i wanted to do which is like i wanted to be the guy that writes about comic book movies i wanted to do like reviews and interviews and stuff and that and i 
don't remember what you said to me for the advice, but I did end up doing that. So uh, thank you for that. Oh well, geez, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I I do. People do ask me a lot, and I I I always try to you know go out of my way to give whether it's you know my peers or particularly younger people advice on how to get started. And you can tell pretty much right away whether they're gonna they're the type of person that's gonna take your advice or not. You know, some people just want to decide one day that. I want to be a writer and they expect to be in the New York Times by the end of the week, you know. Right. But, you know, like music, you, you you sort of have to you have to suck ass for a while. Well, I mean, I suppose if you're super genius, you don't. Uh, you can come right out of the gate swinging. But the vast majority of us have to, you know, we have to figure it out as we go. And, and you, you do spend a lot of time sucking ass. And then one day you sort of figure it out. And, and no, that's not true. You never, if you're a writer, you never feel like you <laughs> ever figure it out i still think i suck every day but you know but yeah but 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 so do i but then i think like well no one's really paying me for this i'm just doing this as a service to the fan community it's okay if it sucks well, you are a big, you are very dedicated uh, to the to the whole, you know, comics and and and. Uh, are you a video game guy too? I'm not a video game guy. My other half, Stacy, she she loves video games, so yeah. I, I I push whatever video game stuff she tells me is cool. Right. Yeah. No, and, I, but when I but I like to sit and as like a relaxing thing, I put on some music or a podcast, and I just like totally turn my brain off and i play tetris on the playstation 4 so it's like this sophisticated system and i'm just like playing the simplest oh, game really? i could just it really it's like it's almost meditation you know it's just yeah i like, know well, tetris is very yeah that uh, i used to like used to completely zone out to that and then i would have i remember having dreams about it when i would play it all the time yeah and then you like you're, you and your wife go on a trip and you're like i'm gonna pack the car yeah, yeah, yeah. Just looking at the world like a Tetris blocks. But yeah, I, no, that's a, right. That's another thing we used to. I remember we used to trade comics back and forth for a yeah. while. And I was like, I kind of fell. Whenever that was, probably five, four or five years ago, we were doing that. I after that, I kind of stopped. I just kind. I think I read. Like I was trying to catch up. I was always a comic book guy when i was when i was growing up and you know i absolutely loved it and i you know i read all the stuff that you would expect a guy kid reading you know like 30 20 years ago to be into but then i stopped and then i like had all this catching up to do like all the image stuff that i'd missed and and, there's a lot out there there's a lot of great stuff and what they're doing now this might interest you is there's a new sandman they're basically like taking the sandman thing and making it like a universe so there's like new sandman books that just exist in the sandman world oh and really lucifer is one of them too as i know that you like that well, so. i love the yeah, i love lucifer oh by the way did you ever see that tv show i never made? i could never watch it and i watched like almost all of those oh my god it's so bad but like for some reason they like you remember the the book the lucifer book it was like you know traveling to heaven and hell and all these like amazing characters and really super fantastical you know imaginative stuff and this one's like he's stuck on earth yeah but this one is he's a he's it's a crime procedural lucifer is just he's like an assistant to a detective so they just like solve crimes it's really uh really bad but I also kind of love it in a way because the guy, I forget his name, but the guy they have playing Lucifer is like super charming and, and it just works. Well, they, I think they, it was like one of those shows where it got canceled and then like Netflix picked it up or like something. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be like CW or who knows. I don't know how it works, but yeah, somebody's right. picked it up. So you're going to get more. More from right. Luke. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> I have to talk to you about, or I have to ask you 
not talk to you about, but um, I wanted to know sort of like what your day is like because I know a couple things. I know you work out a lot um, and you, you know, you've, you've chronicled that and your journeys with that. But also I know that, like you said, you, you work at home mm-hmm. and like there's, there's other things. Like I have so many questions, like are all of the things you write assignments or, or like, how do you keep up on top of all the, all the Twitter, like everything? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, I guess I basically average day, I get, I get up pretty early now, which is just like a new thing, but you know, instantly check, the Twitter and, and news and see what's going on. And there's, it's a, there's sort of two ways to work here. I do a lot of stuff that's like, here's what's going on today. And, you know, I'll spend an hour or two with a quick take on whatever the latest crazy, you know, news is from, from the hell world, you know? Um, and in, in that case, you know, I have a lot of editors who, like the places that I write regularly, they, they might say, Hey, did you see this? Do, what do you think of it? And I'll either say, Oh yeah, here's what I think about that. I want to do this. Okay. Bang, do it. Or like vice versa. I'll reach out and be like, you know, did you see this thing that happened? This is, we should cover it this way. And so that's like sort of the daily grind of it, which is good and bad because you know, that there's, there's, you have to move really quick and you have to, you know, generate, like you have to understand what's going on really quick. And, and then you have to have like something original to say about it, which I don't always manage to do, but you try anyways. And then in the background, while you're doing that, you've got these longer pieces that you're working on that I, that I guess are the more sort of respectable reported type of journalism pieces where you're talking to lots of different sources and you're, you know, you're going, you're going places to look at and report on things. And, you know, so like in order, the way that I found uh, to be able to make a living as a freelancer is you have to have a mix of both of those going on at once, sort of the quicker daily stuff. And then the, you know, in the background percolating these longer pieces. And that's also personally for me, that's a way to so I can like maintain my self-respect, you know, I have to do something that feels, feels important rather than, you know, I I could churn out like a thousand words about the latest Trump shit every single day and make good money doing it. And that's fine. I don't mind doing that, but you know, it's also nice to have something that's going on. That's like, okay, this is, this is worthwhile for the world. So let's say you have, do you have, you have a couple of those going at a particular time, like a couple of longer ones? Yeah, there'll be a couple of longer ones that, you know, that are like, you know, maybe one's due in two weeks, maybe one's due in a month. And so you do, you know, a little bit of work on them each day, like right now. And they're spoken for by different publishers. Yeah. So I will have coordinated with the editor uh, that I work with, uh, you know, the, the parameters of the story and who I'm going to talk to, how long it's going to be, what what sort of uh, the central idea or takeaway of it is. Like right now, today, I happen to be working on something, a story for Teen Vogue, which is about uh, young boys and uh, boys and young men in the ways that they bully each other about, bully each other about how they look in their body image and stuff mm. like that. And so for that, I've been talking to a lot of, you know, teenagers and it's about their experience, you know, being called fat or too skinny or anything like that. Um, and obviously, uh, as you sort of alluded to, that's a that's a topic that's near and dear to me since I, I sort of suffer from uh, body image related stuff. But, you know, I'll, but then yesterday I t- was talking to a couple different psychologists and then talking to people from 
sporting world, coaching, specialized talking to, you know, how to deal with young boys and stuff like this, or I'll talk to like eating disorder type people. So that's, that's what I've been working on this week. But then, you know, today I had to watch, watching the, the Kavanaugh uh, hearings and I had to fire off quick 800 words about like the exchange between him and, and Kamala Harris uh, that happened last night. So, you know, you kind of have to keep a lot of plates spinning in the air, at least if you want to like be able to make a, a reasonably decent living, I think. And do you, this is, this is like a very basic question and I'm sorry if it sounds stupid, but like, do you just, do you file, do you use like Microsoft word or like, are you sharing this like on Google docs with your editors or like are there any sort of like, do you collect a bunch of information from Twitter and like put it, do you have, do you have recordings of people talking like, Oh, it's it's different for each publication. Like some some places will use Google Docs, and that way we can both be editing it, you know, back and forth at the same time. And I, I kind of like that. Uh, you know, most uh, typically I'll I'll just use Word and 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 um, work on it on my own side, and then uh, and then send it along when it's done. And for recordings, I do a little bit of mix of, of both a, a record uh, on the computer, whether it's like Skype or. or Actually, one thing I do often do is I use Bandcamp. Uh, uh, no, sorry, not Bandcamp. GarageBand to mm-hmm. record uh, interviews. Oh, cool! Usually, what I do is I just type as we go because uh, you know I'm a very fast typer, and I hate transcribing interviews so much. Like it's the most depressing thing. It, it feels like such a waste of time to like talk to somebody for an hour and then go back and have to like listen to that conversation like for like two hours in order to get it down. So I just like type on the fly, taking notes on my laptop while I'm talking, unless it's something that's like super sensitive in nature or political, you know, or somebody, you know, like a, some sort of like real serious news thing going on. Then, uh, then I'll record it because, you know, you, you, you'll want to have that uh, recording just in case something goes awry or somebody says they didn't say something. But, you know, if it's somebody, if you're talking to somebody, about something that doesn't really have uh, the hugest stakes, then then I'll just go ahead and type. Well, that's that. It is a lot of work to do transcribing, and uh, I learned from taking the class, which inspired this uh, this whole podcast series. Is that you? There's a place that'll transcribe stuff for a dollar a minute. Oh God, that's sort of expensive, I guess. Although I definitely think there's been times where I would have like a dollar a minute of the recording, or yeah. Of- of the, of the recording, uh, I guess that's not too bad. I wouldn't want to do it all the time. Yeah, but. just I guess maybe if you were on a deadline or you just sort of like I fucking have too many things going on, <laughs> have this person transcribe that for me for a second, and then you have to fix it, of course. But you know, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I just think that you know, and I don't really like listening back to my own questions, which is probably bad for for your podcast. To, I don't want to be saying like and um too many times. And oh, we're keeping that all in. It's all there. I'm keeping it all in. All right. <laughs> okay. Very good. I've actually. This is like this is the podcast I've been doing. But I've been recording a podcast for ten years, and then I was like, maybe we should take a class and learn how to do it right. Yeah, is that what you're doing this for? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like a class assignment. It's like really, really thought about doing this for a while, but uh, I did. Like, I learned so much. I was like, oh wow, I could save so much time doing this. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, no, but to to 
just sort of one, one, but one good thing about both being a freelancer and you know working from home as I do is I get to work as much and as little as I want. You know, if I don't want to do something one day, I won't. I can just like over the summer, like I said, my wife's a teacher, so we will go and take like little one or two night trips around you know, New England, we don't really go on any big vacations, but we like to go like, oh, let's go to Portland for a night or let's go to Providence or wherever. Yeah, that's um, su- super nice, man. I love that. Yeah, so so being able to, you know, just kind of pick up and go whenever I want is like definitely one of the biggest positives of working from home. And, you know, like, and as you mentioned, I can just leave and go to the gym in the middle of the day anytime I want. Do you I live rem- close to that uh, that that gym that we share? Yeah, yeah, just about like um I could but we uh we have a car so I usually take that. Nice. This is now you're going to get the very authentic Luke O'Neill experience because it's uh 6:30 and I'm going to pour myself my first drink. Oh yeah. Daddy needs his juice. <laughs> yeah, my his podcast my, juice. My mind juice. So we'll see if I become more or less interesting. All right, here we, here we go starting now. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. Oh, yeah. This feels great. Yeah, you think this is great. <laughs> this is awesome. I hope they should have edit that stuff out. <laughs> You've had some interesting stories and and assignments. What was the craziest thing? Was it going to the White House? No. Well, weirdly, so I went... I, or have you been to the White House a bunch of times? And I'm like, I've been a few times. Uh, weirdly, I was actually a White House intern, uh, which is something that... Yeah, I had a weird effect on my life because, you know, even though I was always thought I wanted to be a writer, I also was like, well, maybe I'll get into politics. And so, like, I interned for a bunch of politicians when I was younger. And then I went and I was at the White House for Bill Clinton. And I just hated it so much. Uh, I hated all the people. I thought they were all sucked. They were all phonies. And this was, you know, during a Democrat administration. <laughs> yeah, it was bad then, too. Yeah, I was just like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be involved in this. But yeah, going to the White House for the, to see the Patriots last year, that was super, actually, it was really depressing. It uh, seemed like it was awkward. Yeah, it was, especially because Brady wasn't there. And Trump, being classic pissy little baby he was, like, didn't mention his name once, even though his, even as he like. <laughs> to the game i don't know i don't know right i usually i think some of the most interesting things i write is when it's it's something that that connects sort of culture and real world implications like i wrote something about a lot most of my best stuff for the past few years has been at esquire where i was been a writer at large is my title but i think i wrote something i really liked about youth football and concussions i wrote something i really liked about but how we all have to do fundraisers now for when we get sick or injured yes and yes I was that today. Yeah, the pressure to like you have to be go viral now in, in order to uh it, to it's it's so weird with that stuff because like um you know i was like in a house fire and we did a crowdfunding thing and like people were so generous they were super nice and then yeah so then it's like i get it and i've used i've utilized that but yeah to be able to have to do that to pay your medical bills or for somebody's funeral i'm not saying it's wrong or bad or or i'm sort of indifferent about it but it's like it's a weird thing yeah it's it's weird it's it's bad that people are forced to do it rather than yeah exactly I don't know. It's weird. I'm I'm a really bad keeper of my own legacy, you know, like I write things and I could spend, you know, weeks on it. And then I like completely 
soon as I do, like whenever when a when a subject comes up, I like gorge myself on trying to figure out everything I can about it and yeah. like and then as soon as I file the piece and it comes out, I like completely offload all of the shit out of my brain. Like I forget, like I like I can't keep everything in there. So like you I have, can, I mean, you have to do that sort of a mental purge because you have new input coming in all the time. Right? Exactly. Yeah, and I can't. So like I could write a really well informed and well researched article about something, and then like six months or a year later, you could ask me about it. Like what? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> um, I also, I guess, I have a, I, I do sort of have a very bad memory, but that could be because of the all those years playing football as a child as right. i just reference i do kind of think that sometimes but yeah i have a notoriously bad memory all of this shit i've told you about myself i've just made up on the fly as we're going here <laughs> uh, sorry about that no that's fine and uh you had you released a book too right or, or do you have many books I don't yeah know no, i just wrote one so far and it was about six years ago it was about all the uh it was like sort of a history of all the dive bars in boston and that was fun to do, but uh, I had, I don't know, I had sort of, it wasn't the greatest experience writing it, and I uh, uh, didn't really make much money off of it, and it took so long, and, and it's kind of soured me on the idea of writing books anymore. Like, I have, this sounds like douchey or whatever, but, like, literary agents come to me a few times, you know, you know, we write a book, what do you have ideas, you know, what are your ideas for a book? Look, look, look how well Ronan Farrow's book did. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, yeah, but he, uh, sure, if I can, gonna, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not half the journalist he is, and, but, um, but yeah, I see all these people, all my peers writing books, and I'm like, this person spent, must have spent a couple years on this, and then most of them, like, disappear, and they go nowhere, you know, and yeah. it's, it's just like, and was like, your dive bar book like a sort of like how you know like me or you would put out a CD like you 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 sort of did it yourself kind of thing or no, it was a small publisher oh, in nice. New York yeah well that's good that you didn't have to you know like no I didn't yeah they put it out but the, like I think about the difference like then it's like okay well why would you make music if you know nobody like we put out no hope no harm we put out an EP and you know we sold a few copies nothing nothing you know good uh nothing exactly to you know move the needle or whatever but um we but the difference between that like writing a book is like such a solitary obsessive thing that takes over your life and you know compared to that writing songs with your buddies and then going to record them for like a few days it's like a breeze you know <laughs> yeah oh totally i don't know i have enough things that i'm pretty good at you know what i mean like yeah. that's like when a lot of times I thought, you know, everyone's like, oh, you should do, not just me, but, you know, when people say you should do podcasts, like, first of all, it's probably, I think there's probably too many by now unless to, to stand out, but you know, I don't really want to learn how to do it. No offense to you in this project, but like me, I'm like. No, well, that's why it's good to have guests come on because I want to do the podcast part. And all you have to do is talk. Yeah, I don't really want to learn how to do a podcast. I, I have enough things that i'm pretty good at okay at and just don't need anymore and you i mean and you sometimes like uh i have a friend our, our friend john who i do my other podcast with like i he complains to us like about like 
because you're essentially a freelancer all the time. So it's like a right. fucking invoice for this thing, and I haven't seen any money. So yeah, I like how honest with you are about like on the reporting side of things, and like kind of like you know like putting that stuff stuff out there, and so people can see like how hard it is to be a writer too. Yeah. Even though it is your you know it is your job. Nobody rarely people rarely talk about this stuff. Like people complain. People will complain when they don't get paid. You know, writers will complain on Twitter. But comic creators do it too. It's it's just part of the beast, the publishing beast, I guess. I don't know what it is. Well, everyone's afraid. But then then the thing is, everyone is afraid to get blacklisted or something. And I'm just not really afraid of that anymore. Like, I'm not going to be taken advantage of. And I guess I'm fortunate that, uh, you know, I'm a fairly okay, fairly well known, you know, established reliable freelancer and by no means any sort of top of the line writer or anything but you know i'm i'm secure enough in my talents and my ability to get work that i can say fuck you pay me that you could say that you, and you can even say it on twitter like maybe you might not necessarily call out the outlet or whatever but you know like it's just yeah you have the you have enough like standing to be like, this is like kind of fucked up, but you speak up for the other writers too. You're like, right. yeah, like I'm speaking for everybody here. Like how come you guys haven't paid us? No, exactly. Yeah. I just did a piece about Brooklyn magazine and, um, they do like the North side festival and all this music stuff too. But the company was like stiffing everybody left and right. And I talked to like 20 former employees and freelancers and, it was just like this pervasive thing that was probably like my biggest, most recent thing. We did that for the Huffington post, which is kind of ironic since they were always famous for not paying anybody. But, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't really care. Like I have like editor friends of mine that tell me that I should like tone it down a little bit and not be, you know, not call places out by name, but I just, Honestly, I, I don't know. It's super, this is like super corny to say, but you know, and you probably know this, you come from a punk rock background. It's yes. like, you know, it's like, fuck you, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. And we're from the punk rock from like the Northeast, which is, and from Boston, which is sort of like, just like that, like, fuck you. Right. Yeah, Harold pay me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and like, I'm not saying people that, aren't used to that kind of talk on the West Coast. <laughs> no, no, it's a little bit nicer. But it's like I'm not saying that I'm like some badass or anything. But I just, you know, I'll eat a little bit of shit. I'm not, I'm right. not crazy. I need to make a living, but I'm not going to eat a whole plate of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's good that you're speaking up for the other writers. And in my opinion, I thought that piece was great. I, I agree that I'm a hero. Thank you. Yeah, you are a hero. Yeah. And, thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, can. I listened to your uh, uh, your Tracy Morgan thing. Oh yeah, that was, yeah. Like one of that has to be like one of the most bizarre interviews ever. I forget how it ended. Did I hang up on him or did he hang up on me? I think <laughs> I hang, I hung up on him. I think you did, yeah, because he was just sort of like sitting there, and uh, I'm sure that people could Google that and find it. One of the weirdest things I've ever heard. And I, I want to have so many podcasts that I have a weird interview like that. I can say that this this podcast is not going that way. But I want to have like weird – I want to talk to like uh, like some famous comic book guy and just have him like talk about like 
tectonic plates or something. We're just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. I forget what happened with that. I think he was just super not in the mood for doing an interview. And I like didn't prepare that much. And I was just like, well, I can just talk to Tracy uh, Morgan. Like, you know, obviously he's, we'll talk, we'll just be people. And he was not feeling me as a person. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, the only other one that had a bad ending like that recently, I guess it was like a year and a half ago, I interviewed, uh, Rob Gronkowski and I found, I tried to get him to like talk shit about Trump and he wouldn't do it. And like the, the PR person hopped on and like, was like, okay, that's enough for now. And then, Oh, you have one of those like three-way calls where the PR person is like, listening. yeah, that often happens when it's like that happens a lot when it's like a big celebrity like Gronk or something, and it also weirdly happens when it's like a super not big celebrity. You know? I can like, attest to that because it happens to me with comic book people all the time, and it's like, dude, we'll be fine. I can just talk to them. Right. They like make you like do a conference call so you don't have their number. I'm like, yeah. Oh, uh, it's just like I'm not gonna. What am I gonna? <laughs> Talk this fucking yeah like we're already friends on facebook and talk there so right 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 but um yeah i'm not i usually am pretty get along pretty well with my people i interview you i mean that's a good sort of a good policy to keep if you can um <laughs> uh, so what do you want to tell the world about you have two projects i want to talk about we'll wrap, then we can wrap it up yeah. uh so you can get a few more drinks in you yeah, I need a cigarette. <laughs> uh, first one I want to talk about is uh, is Emo Night. Yes. At the Sinclair. Yeah. And you guys are really taking over with that. That shit is a big deal, man. That is really cool. It's pretty great. Uh, we just did one um, the other day, and we teamed up with the uh, the Emo Pop Punk Karaoke. Oh, yeah. It's like they, yeah. they release the set list, and then you can sign up, and you can play yeah. with them. Hey, you can go sing with the live band doing, you know, all your favorite pop punk. The and- Luke O'Neill experience. That's what <laughs> I would call that. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but they did a great job, the band. And, uh, and yeah, it was, that was a big, that was a bigger one. That was like probably like 450 kids. Um, but yeah, every month we do a, the regular one in the, in the front room in the Sinclair and the upstairs. And, and, uh, it's me and a, and a couple of my friends and, um, we just play, you know, the, all the, the old emo hits, uh, and there's always a, there's a line out the door every every month. It's weird, and I always like say that I I hope that it'll, that it will stop it'll stop being so popular because I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> They've been doing it for like four years now, and I love I love emo of like all different forms from like the '90s, mm-hmm. you know, the actual real you know hardcore stuff to like you know, the cheesy stuff in the 2000s, and I love all, even more than anything, I love all the newer bands now. Um, I'm getting choked up thinking about uh, <laughs> You love those bands. Yeah, I love them so much. But I do get bummed out because most of the people who come like, really just want to hear, um, you know, the, the, the sort of MTV era stuff. Paramore or something. Yeah, Paramore. <laughs> I mean, we're great, but, you know. But, no, we have a great time, and, and kids sing and, and go crazy and dance, and it's sort of like, the new, you know, Boston heads will remember this, and you will, of course, too. It's kind of like the the new pill in a way, you know, yeah. or blackout bar. Yeah, or blackout bar. Like the, you know, regulars come every every time, and and then there's like, it's more of a place to like go see the people that you know 
maybe they aren't like your best friends that you talk to every week, but you're like psyched to see them anyways. You know, it's like, oh, hey, man, you know, people meet each other, people hook up, all that good, fun stuff. Make out club. Make up, exactly, exactly. Or whatever, what was the one? Is was it still the pill, or what was it that was down at Bill's bar? That was um. What was that one called? That was the night late nineties, I think. I think I I saw Interpol at that one once. What the fuck is that night called? We know. So wait, Blackout Bar was at Paradise. I can't remember. See, I told you I had a bad memory. Yeah, well, I definitely wore bought a white belt to wear to that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, let me let me just check in with some of the guys from the damn personals. I think they'll probably remember it. Um, but yeah, no, it's a lot of fun, and you know we do it every third Thursday. So so come come by and if you like to sing to Dashboard Confessional, we this is the place to be. <laughs> and so one one of the things that I thought would be great to talk about is something I I do a lot of this actually for my job my day job but also for my second day job and also for my, for like promoting for my other podcasts and doing shows and stuff. But, uh, you do an email newsletter now, right? Yeah. I just started one. Um, and it, does it compile like your recent articles? Do you write fresh for that? Well, it's, I just started about two months ago and it's been a mix of both. So I'll do, I've done a few original pieces. Like I interviewed a, uh, uh, a 20-year-old boy who who came from El Salvador about four years ago and crossed, you know, made it all the way here. And I interviewed him about what that experience was like. And obviously it was kind of, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the news with, with what it's like to cross the border. And then the other day I did a piece about sort of this young girl who whose family was killed in the Iraq war. I, I didn't talk to her myself, but I did, you know, brought a bunch of source uh, outside uh, writing on that together into a piece and so those are like original pieces and then you know usually everyone I'll, I'll include like here's the things that i wrote this week in case you missed it um well that's a smart idea because i mean i follow you on twitter and you're i have you and this is embarrassing to say but i have you and like kyle griffin and like so, so certain other people like alert so i see like when they post oh well that's well i'm sorry but now and, i'm gonna have to, like think twice when i just do a post that's like oh no i love them all and i, I mean i told i actually i told todd barry that at a show last week uh, a right. couple months ago and he was like huh that's uh weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I just listened to Todd Barry on the uh, Are You Talking to R.E.M. Re.Me podcast. Have you listened to that? No, but I, it sounds great. It's so good. It's like the, it's like uh, Scott Ackerman of Comedy Bang Bang, but they like go through every R.E.M. album and talk about it. Uh, <laughs> good podcast concept. Yeah. I like that. Yes. Um, but yeah, so the, but the newsletter is called uh, Welcome to Hell World. And, and basically, I don't know, that's kind of been like my catchphrase the past two years whenever anything absurd happens it's like hell world you know like the world the world has always been bad like you know poor people have always been crushed you know uh, the rich have always been shitty there's always been war and everything but there's like a new sort of filter on everything in the trump era where where it doesn't just seem like injustices are persisting it seems like there's there's this perverse I don't know, like it's like avant-garde cruelty going on. Avant-garde douchery. Yeah, exactly. And my, a, my my South Shore accent just 
flew right out of my mouth. I could not even stop oh, it. God, kids. And it's like, you know, it, it feels like the type of thing like, you know, hell isn't just a place where bad things happen. It's a place where bad things are done purposefully and with like a sort of little like ironic glee to them in, in my imagination anyways. It's so, like the Joker like fucking spiked the water for fucking everybody in the world. And now everything's just juiced up and fucking nuts. Right. Yesterday there was a plane that was quarantined because like 10 people got sick and vanilla oh, ice was on it. Vanilla yeah. ice was on it. Yeah. Like. That is the most quintessential, like, story of Hellworld that I can think of. Like, what a weird time, man. This is a weird time to be alive. <laughs> I already thought it was weird he was in that movie with Adam Sandler. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> That's my boy. Oh, I don't know if I saw that one. I, <laughs> sadly, I've fallen behind in my Sandler fandom. <laughs> and so, do you host that on a, what is it called, Substack? It's a new company and there's like a lot of, um, it's like a startup and a lot of writers like myself, like they've got a bunch of people on there who are like more established than me. Um, like Matt Taibbi from Rolling Stone is on there. Mara Wilson is on there. Jamie Bowie, Daniel Mallory Ortberg. Uh, so there's like a lot of really like well-known writers who are making a shift. I love you. it. I, and particularly on this on this service, which I, I like so far, they they seem to be nice people. And the idea is like you know, Facebook doesn't show my articles to anyone anymore, um, and Twitter everything goes so fast. Yeah, that's sort of like why I mean, you know, that's not the not creepy, honest part about it. It's like I don't want to miss something, so like I like where my news is coming from. Like I turn on alerts, so like I get it on Twitter, like because I know it's going to get buried on Facebook. I won't ever see it. Right for sure, and and. And this is a way, like, I don't know, I, I mean, I happen, I'm lucky to have a lot of followers on Twitter, but there's probably a certain amount of people who who, who want to see everything I write. Not not that many, but a certain amount. And you might even have some hate followers. <laughs> well, I hopefully, yeah, I certainly do have plenty of those. Um, but the idea is to build it up. You know, I'm just about to go to a thousand subscribers on the newsletter, and the idea is eventually to start asking people to pay for it so yeah it's like um sort of like the patreon model yeah like yeah you can have it be out for free or you know right it can be free and then there'll be so what i think i'll do is i'll have some for free and then i'll put the good stuff behind the paywall i guess and you know ask people for like two dollars a month or something you know and you know it doesn't seem like much to ask for your old friend luke slaving over a hot content hot still. internet yeah and then it's not six thirty yet you know what i mean <laughs> exactly i Gotta wait for wait for my my appointed hour. That's <laughs> that's a bad sign, right? That th that whiskey won't uh, buy itself. Give him <laughs> a couple bucks. Exactly. Oh man. But anyways, that's uh, I don't really want to talk about myself anymore. I think I've said all. <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much. I mean, like honestly, like you are like you're 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 a pal, but also like. You're totally like inspiring to me. Like I, I feel like uh, smarter after talking to you and after reading your your pieces every time because I just feel like a big dumb idiot. Like oh, I didn't know any of this stuff was well, happening. Through it all, Clay, and you are are now and have always been one of the nicest and sweetest guys in the scene, and I appreciate all your support. So thank you. Oh well, thanks so much, man. And uh, yeah, everybody, go out and and uh, follow Luke on Twitter. It's uh, you want to tell them what that is. Luke O'Neill 47. 
and you uh, you will probably regret it, but do it anyways. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, check out his band No Hope No Harm and Emo Night and all the great things. So thanks so much, Luke, and I will let you go, man. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Talk to you, buddy. Bye.